we, what do we learn in Scripture about the joy of the Lord? Where does it come from? The Bible says in Psalm 1611, in your presence is the fullness of joy. Can I tell you that you can taste of heaven here on earth? Can I tell you that you can experience the joy of the Lord today, as I believe many of us have been, as we were just dwelling in his presence earlier? This is where there's fullness of joy, and we need it today because the joy of the Lord is our what? It's our strength. And here in Revelation, we see that there was little strength, and we can lose our joy because of the trials. But James tells us, not the Jameses that are here, but the James of Scripture, says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but when patience has its perfect work, you too will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So our theme today is the church going forward. And James uh, really came up with this theme before um, I had a chance to hear about it. And of course, he already knew that I would be giving a hearty amen to a title such as this, because the church is my passion. The reason why the church is my passion, because it's God's passion. And if you tend to hang out with God and spend time in his presence, he's going to rub, his passions are going to rub off on you. You're going to begin to love what God loves, and you're going to begin to hate what God hates. But I want to share with you from 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it's interesting that, that James brought this up in the first message we heard this morning, and I'm going to kind of give you a little bit more of the text that's here, because I believe that in this text is a wonderful call to be faithful to the end. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it opens up with words that I, I believe we really need to tune in and hone in on this morning this afternoon, because it's, it's a word always in season for the believer. We need to know what we're to be strong in. And look at what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to what kind of men? Faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. For no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned. There's that word again, crowned, unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must first be the first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, verse 11 says, this is a faithful saying. For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, he also will deny us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is God's word. And let's pray that God will speak to us through this text this afternoon. Father, I'm so grateful, God, to be among brothers and sisters in Christ, some of whom I've known for many years and some who I've just met today. But what we all share in common is we're looking to you, Lord Jesus, as the author and finisher of our faith. 
who for the joy that was set before you endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, we know that the only reason why you get up from that throne is not because there's more work for you to do, but because the work that we have done will one day be acknowledged by you as you receive each of your servants and stand to attention as you did Stephen to give them that crown. Father, what is a crown when we have you as king in front of us? It's no wonder why we read in scriptures that there's this idea of casting our crowns before your feet and even giving what is our reward back to you as worship. But I would ask today that you would speak to every heart where they need to hear from you about being faithful to the end because God, the days are gonna get harder, not easier. And since time is running out, we need to be looking up and we need to be running this race to win and running this race with endurance. And God, tonight, tonight I, I pray that there will be such a, a work of your spirit here that all of us in this place will encounter your presence in not only a fresh way, but we will learn to dwell in your presence and carry the gospel to this world like never before. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts and teach us how to walk humbly before you and to live lives that truly matter for the kingdom. Lord, I ask that you will teach us by your spirit and open our eyes right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. Well, in this text, I see three kind of words that rise to the surface for me. The first is faithful. Faithful has shown up three times in the text that I just read. But you notice that there's obedience and endurance. And I think those are really the two keys to make a person faithful before God. You must be obedient for the long haul. It's not enough to be obedient in a sprint. I know many Christians who answered the call of God for a short time and were like the parable of the sower who received the word with gladness, but as soon as there was testing, they shriveled up because there was no depth. Or as soon as there was an attraction and an opportunity for something of the world, they went after it like a sheep to the slaughter. But brothers and sisters, if you're gonna be faithful, if I'm gonna be faithful, we need obedience with endurance. Those are really the two keys that bring together a faithful life. Now, Paul illustrates this by three descriptions. He talks about a good soldier. He talks about an ardent or devoted athlete. And he talks about a hardworking farmer, which I'd also like to call a sower. Because some of us might think, well, I don't know anything about farming. Well, you ought to know something about sowing seeds. Because every one of us sows the seed of the gospel whenever we preach it. So these are three areas that Paul illustrates faithfulness by. And, and there are three areas that we can learn a lot from, and I'm gonna break them down in just a moment. But I think that before I do, one of the things I just wanna point out is that our strength doesn't come from ourselves. Our strength comes from Jesus. And, and Paul says to Timothy, you therefore be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, whenever you see the word therefore, it's always good to ask the question, what's it there for? So if you read back just a few verses, you know what you discover in the last verses of chapter one? Paul is exhorting the believer to hold fast the word, just like we heard in the church of Philadelphia at the end. And he brings up some who have fallen away from the faith. And, and he tells us about others who are actually standing with him in the faith, like an Onesiphorus who refreshed his soul. <laughs> 
He asked the Lord in the last verse, verse 18, the Lord grant to him that he might find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Brothers and sisters, what does it mean to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? It means this. It means you have to be strong in a strength that's not yours. It means you have to trust constantly in a God who does for you what you can't do for yourself. It means it's not by might nor by power, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And it means that God doesn't just give you grace to save you. We all know the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. But I always wish there was another verse in that song that says, Amazing Grace, How Sweet is Still the Sound That is Saving a Wretch Like Me, or Saving Even a Saint Like Me. Because even as a believer in Jesus Christ, I still need grace. Anyone else? I need grace just to stand up and preach his word. I need grace to be able to love my wife as Christ loves the church. I need grace to love my three growing kids, two of which are now out of my house in their 20s. I'm still in my 30s. I don't know how that works, but no. (laughs) I've gotten a bit older since I left here. But I know this. Grace is something you grow into. What does Peter say? Grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to really be a person who's strong in grace, you know what that means? It means you got to be weak. That's right. A faithful man or woman learns how to embrace their weakness. You have to be able to say, it's not I, but Christ. You have to be able to say, I can't do it, but you can. And I've, I've said this many times. Some of you might remember this. I believe the one responsibility of a Christian is to break up that word into two. My response to God's ability is my response ability. I'm responding to God. He's not responding to me. The Lord is working with me, and I'm partnering with him, but I'm drawing my strength from the Lord. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The problem today is we don't have very many strong men and women in the grace. Oh, there's a lot of people strong in pride today. There's a lot of people strong in their ambitions today. And I wonder how many of you are finding your strength in the wrong place. David, in Psalm 12, verse 1, prayed a prayer that I pray all the time. He said this, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful disappear from among the sons of men. I want to speak to just the brothers for a minute. I want to call out the men for a moment. Men, are you being faithful to what God has entrusted you to do? Because God started with Adam in the garden. And although Eve ate the fruit first, God spoke to the man first. And God ultimately held the man responsible for sin entering the world because in Romans 5, it says, just as sin entered the world through one man, so death would be atoned for through one man, Christ Jesus. And I tell you this, you cannot be faithful in your own strength, but you can be faithful in the strength of the Lord. But you will never be uh, faithful or strong in the grace of God if you're lacking purpose in your life, if you're lacking service in your life, if you're lacking obedience in your life, and if you're lacking endurance in your life. You can't be faithful without those things. A faithful man knows that he's a servant of the Lord who has a ministry from the Lord who is called to obey the Lord and to do it day in and day out until you stand before the Lord. I want to be faithful at the end of my life. I really want to hear the words from Jesus. Well done, Joey. 
my good and faithful servant. But I will not be faithful if I'm giving my heart to other things than Jesus. I don't want to be one of those men who waste hours of my life playing video games. I don't want to be one of those men who had no time for my sons because I was giving too much time for what was on the screen. I don't want to be missing the scroll of scripture because I've been scrolling down on my phone. I don't want to miss the opportunities that God gives to me because my head is in the wrong place. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim his own goodness, but who can find a faithful man? You see, a faithful man is what the church needs to go forward. And I believe we need faithful women and faithful men alike, but I want to say to the men here, men, if your home does not have the presence of God, it starts with you. If you are not experiencing the presence of God in your home, men, you need to stand up like Joshua and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as you serve the Lord, you can't control what every member of your house will do. It is possible you might have a son or a daughter depart from the faith or maybe even a spouse that's not as serious about the things of God as you. But you will be faithful if you prayed in your home and served God faithfully in your home by loving those in your first sphere of influence. We all need to be faithful in that way. David also would say in Psalm 101, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. Well, how can any of us walk in a perfect way? Well, I'm gonna tell you something that is very imperfect, that right off the bat makes it very easy why people don't walk in a perfect way. We have way too many people that are trying to be faithful to God without the church. Our theme today is not believer, go forward. It's the church, go forward. And you cannot be a true believer and be disconnected from the body of Christ. My hand works pretty good so long as it's connected to an arm. My arm works pretty good so long as it's connected to my chest, to my body. And my chest has a heart that beats, but it only beats because it pumps blood throughout the whole of my body. And we have too many sleeping body parts and too many amputations. Brothers and sisters, you are only faithful to God to the degree that you are faithful to the body in which you are placed in. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say you can follow Jesus and be isolated. Now, you might be in jail, and that's different, and you might be persecuted, and there is a place for that. But even John the Baptist and Paul and everyone who was in prison was always concerned about the church. And Jesus tells us that we're faithful in the little things when we even go visit the one that's in prison or that's sick or that's weak. We have to have a heart for the church. I love, I was reading Philemon this morning and then that little short book of Philemon in verses four through six, it says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward the saints, all the saints, all the saints. You need to be faithful to love. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You see, to be strong in grace is to have grace for the rest of the body. What good would it be for me to have grace for just me? The Bible says, freely you receive, now what? 
freely give. If I have received grace, I must give grace. The Bible says, with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And that is why right after Paul tells Timothy, his spiritual son, to be strong in the grace, verse 2, he says, and he immediately talks about the body. He says, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You see, being strong in grace flows right into loving the body of Christ and helping them to mature. Helping them to mature. One of the things I'm so grateful for is I've watched the Lord put a shepherd's heart in my dear brother James. I've watched him grow as a shepherd, watched him over the years uh, from that first time I met him. And uh, he wasn't sure how to land in the church just right at that point. Not because he didn't love Jesus. He just also wanted to find a true biblical church that he could be a part of, where the spirit of God was present and the word was being taught and the love of God was in his people. You know, those three things are, are rather simple, but rather lacking today. The love of God, the word of God, the spirit of God. These are the things that show you God is present. God is in our midst. And now the church has grown to have many different people. And I know Cambridge is a very transient city. Sometimes you shepherd people for a short time and they go. Sometimes they depart. Sometimes they struggle. Sometimes they come back. But we're called to love to the end, as Jesus did in John 13, where he washed all the disciples' feet, including a Judas, who, as was said earlier, wasn't so much of a good treasure, wasn't really so much of a good disciple either. He sold his soul to the devil for 30 pieces of silver. How many people today are selling out and missing out on what God has for their lives? I love the book of Ephesians, and it's very rare that I'm not teaching from Ephesians when we're talking about a church moving forward, and I'm in Timothy. But I will tell you this. Do you know that the book ends of the book of Ephesians has to do with faithfulness? Paul writes at the very beginning of Ephesians in Ephesians 1.1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints that are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. And at the very end in Ephesians 6.21, he's commenting on a brother named Tychicus who was a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. There have been many faithful people who I'm thankful for. I love reading old books. To me, a book is usually not so great unless it's about 50 years old, but I will read some new ones that are coming out because I've already heard Brother James talk about Babylon, and that's a powerful topic that I've already started reading of his. And I do like reading newer books, but I'm very careful because there's so much in these last days where you have to be very careful. A good book is only as good as it, take, it stays true to the good book called the Bible. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, there's a lot out there that has parts of truth mingled with just parts of a lie. And let me tell you, Satan is most deceiving when there's a lot of truth and just a little bit of a lie. Hudson Taylor, who went to China as a missionary, once made this quote, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in little things is a great thing. Hudson Taylor was a very faithful man. I'm thankful that China right now has the largest number of Christians anywhere on the planet in the underground church. And it started with a man who left this country in England who wanted to go preach the gospel. And he had to learn how to even write his own dictionary to learn Chinese from a Chinese gospel that he had um, or an English gospel that he had and a Chinese one. And he kind of compared the two and he wrote his own dictionary. Amazing the sacrifices he made to get the gospel in that land. 
Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, a faithful man will abound with blessings. But as you look at verse two, we wanna commit things to faithful men. In order to do that, we need to be willing to sacrifice time with people. We have to invest in each other because let me tell you this, discipleship works one-on-one and one-on-three like Jesus did with Peter, James, and John, but it, it ultimately works in community. Discipleship happens when you're rubbing shoulders with other living stones in community, and we really need a lot more healthiness in the body of Christ in this way. Now, let me jump into our three illustrations today. We have, as I mentioned, we have a soldier, we have an athlete, and we have a farmer. I wanna talk to you about the soldier first. Look at verse three. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul does not say you should endure hardship. He says you must. He's basically telling you as you live the Christian life, it will get hard and you must endure. The Bible says in James 1.12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. For after he has been approved or tested, he will receive the crown of life. Every crown mentioned in scripture has to do with the obedience and endurance for the Lord. Every crown. A crown is only given when at the end, God can say, you are faithful. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that hardship is not something I pray for very often. (laughs) I don't really go around saying, God, I would love to have a hard day. I don't go around saying, Lord, thank you for making today so hard. Many times I have to catch myself if my spirit starts to go into a complaining mode. But I want you to know something. The hardship is actually ordained by God as a part of your apprenticeship so that you have fellowship in the sufferings. And when you're fellowshipping with God in the sufferings, you're gonna discover that some of your best growth And character being formed in your life comes when you're actually in the heat, in the pressure, when life is difficult. We have to learn to embrace the grace that is in those times for us because God will supply the grace that we need to get through it. Now, one of the things about a soldier is that soldiers, especially the Roman soldiers of those days, do you know they were not permitted, many of them, to engage in husbandry or marriage as they would call it? Um, or as we would call it today, they were not allowed to get certain merchandise when they went to various places. They were not allowed to have um, certain employments outside of being a soldier. Anything that was inconsistent with their calling as a Roman soldier, they were not allowed to do. They They were supposed to be free at moment's notice to go to war. And Paul is using this example to say, you Christians need to endure hardship as good soldiers. Anybody can be a soldier, it's been said, but to be a good soldier requires a little extra when it comes to the grace of God. Charles Spurgeon said, there are men who are but just soldiers and nothing more. They only need sufficient temptation and they readily become cowardly, idle, useless, and worthless. But a good soldier, he says, is the bravest of the brave, courageous at all times, who is zealous and who does his duty with heart and earnestness. How we need to be fervent in our prayer life in these days as soldiers. And I say prayer first because the first weapon you should consider having as a Christian is prayer. 
Many of us say the sword of the spirit first, but that's not how it goes in Acts 6. The apostles said, we need to give ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word, and they put it in that order. Prayer is your first weapon because you have it with you always, and you can call upon God even when you're stuck in a situation where you don't know how to get out of, and you may not recall a Bible verse right away, but you can call the God who holds the universe together. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the maker. My help comes from the Lord, right? The maker of heaven and earth. Brothers and sisters, we need to look up and know that God is with us at all times. So we have prayer. We have the word of God as two weapons. Do we have another weapon? I would say yes. Any other weapons we've got as we fight the good fight of faith? Come on, throw one out at me. We got the word, sword of the spirit. We got prayer. Worship, oh, amen. Jehoshaphat showed us that the worshipers go front. Praise the Lord like, like Paul and Silas in Acts 16 in prison. How about this one? One of your great tools and one of your great assets, and we learn this by the Roman soldiers as well, is when your shield of faith locks with some other shield of faiths, and if you've ever seen a Roman garrison, they lock their shields together, and you've got the strength of the troop around you. This is why we need the church, the body of Christ, because sometimes I might be getting hit and I might be weak, but Brother Greg prays for me. Or my sister Leslie will pray for me. All of us need to be strong in the spirit by loving one another because the fruit of the spirit is love. So we have the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We have the worship of God. We have the people of God. And ultimately, we're praying for the glory of God in all of our situations. A friend of mine who's from Serbia back at our church in New Jersey wrote to me the other day. I said, man, that's a great word. He wrote this. He said, the devil knows he has no time left. We should also know there's no time to waste. I said, that's a word that speaks. If the devil is running out of time, the question really first is, is the church wasting our time because we've got, it's high time that we awake out of our sleep for our salvation is nearer today than we first believed. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil and understand what the will of the Lord is. And I can tell you this with no hesitation. It is the will of God for you to stay connected to your imperfect local church. That's right, your imperfect local church. If it's a true church, if it's a biblical church, a biblical temple, a biblical dwelling place of God in the spirit where the word of God is being taught and the spirit of God is present and the people of God love one another, be faithful to that imperfect local church. And I say imperfect because you're a part of it and you're just as imperfect as the rest of the ones that you're pointing out. We need each other. We need to stay faithful. We need to stay together. And so in this first illustration of a soldier, we realize there's many things that can pull us away. Many reasons why we, why we don't go to church. And I don't even like to use that expression, go to church, because it seems very unbiblical to say a phrase like, go to church, when you are the church. The church needs to go. Do you realize that the title we have in today's message is the church going forward, not forward go to church? People said, is your church open or closed during COVID? Well, if the people of God are alive and well and kicking and screaming and worshiping and being together, the church is very much open. But you can't close a church if the mouths are being openly testifying of Jesus. The church goes forward. The church is the people of God. And we need to not be people who just go to church. We need the, peop the church to be going forward. You see the difference? Too many attenders who are just pretenders. 
Too many people who show up, but they don't grow up. Too many people who don't know how to be a disciple, therefore they cannot make a disciple. If you want to be a true Christian, you want to be a true person who follows the will of God, you must have a heart for the people of God and you must stay connected to your local church and be faithful and be all in, brothers and sisters. Wherever you are, be all in until Christ is all in all. Amen? No one engaged in warfare, verse four, entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Jesus called you to be his own. And if you're gonna hang out with Jesus, you're gonna hang out with sheep because Jesus only got alone to be with the Father. And the moment he was done being alone with the Father, to be recharged, renewed, refreshed in the spirit, whatever you wanna call it, he was right back discipling the disciples, loving the sheep. And he said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That brings us into the second picture. The second picture is that of an ardent or devoted athlete. In verse five, we see, and also if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Now, I played a lot of sports. In America, I was very much into baseball. Good old pastime in America. You hit a round ball with a round bat, you run around the bases and it's a beautiful sport, but it's hard. In baseball, you're only good if you get like three out of 10. If you get, you know, three out of 10, you're great. But most sports, you're terrible. But I want you to know something about any sport. You have to know the rules of that sport. There are certain things that are inbounds or out of bounds that are sort of, you know, onsides or offsides. It doesn't, there's always things that are right and that are wrong in the sport. And Paul loves to use athletic examples like boxing, beating the air, or wrestling like in Ephesians 6 or whatever it may be. But in this case, he talks about a runner or he talks about an athlete that has to run with the idea of competing according to the rules. And he, and he uses the same analogy in 1 Corinthians 9 when he says, do you not know that all who run a race run, but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize? And then he says, we do this not for a perishable crown, but an imperishable crown. There's the word crown again. Brothers and sisters, if you're gonna be a good athlete, you gotta train. And if you're gonna be a faithful Christian, you gotta train, you gotta practice, you gotta be with God's people. You know, one of the ways that fellowship becomes sweeter is if you work on it. One of the ways discipleship gets deeper is if you give a bit more time. But there are time wasters, there are. It breaks my heart that there would be some that, really don't want to move forward. And if you're not teachable, you're not really reachable. But if you're going to be faithful in these days, you've got to be the athlete that has your eyes on the finish line, not on the other competitors. One of the things that I feel is a great damage in the church today is the way that Christians are comparing themselves with other Christians, pastors with other pastors, Church competing with other churches. When I was here in Cambridge, my heart prayed for blessing on every church in this city. I prayed for the gospel to be preached in every church. I prayed to get together with pastors, and I did my best to try to create fellowship with pastors. I'd bring my Bible and go to a pastor's meeting and be the only guy there ready to talk about the Bible, only to be discovered that, you know, hey, we're off duty right now. We don't really do that now. And I didn't have fellowship all the time. 
And I think the answer is because of what Brother James taught in the last session. Some people have become so professional at what they do that there's an artificialness about what's being done. And if there's going to be something genuine, it's going to be because people are not too ashamed to open up the Bible at any time. Listen, I want you to know, I may be a pastor, I may be, I may be a servant of the Lord for 25 years doing what I'm doing, preaching the word of God, but I am your brother first and foremost, and I am a child of God is my ultimate first identity. I am a son before I'm a servant. And to the degree that I sit before Jesus as a son will be the degree I have something to give as a servant. You got to take time to make time for the one who made time. Otherwise, you will waste your time. And it's not your time to waste. Time is running out. Satan knows it. But you must not waste your time, brothers and sisters. In a Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run this race with endurance, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If Jesus can endure pain, suffering, and sorrow, and listen, if Jesus can endure disciples who were flaky, and even one that was fakey, and even one that was very shaky when asked the question, do you belong to the Lord? I never heard of him, Peter. If Jesus can say, Peter, do you love me more than these? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then tend my lamb, or feed my Tend my lambs, right? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep. If, if Jesus can restore a Peter, and if he can still love the disciples who fled from him, why can we make an excuse that I've been burnt by the church and therefore I can't be a Christian anymore in church? I'm just gonna do my own thing. If Jesus didn't burn out as the savior, how can we fall out as the saints? Brothers and sisters, we must lay aside weights. And I think one of the weights is the heavy load we've all received from bad experiences in church life. If I've ever hurt you as a pastor, my deepest apologies. It would never be my intent to hurt or stumble anyone. In fact, it grieves my spirit whenever I see conflict in the church. It grieves my spirit when people fall out over one offense, when those are the opportunities to throw down the fence and to remember that Jesus, who outside the gate, said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Brothers and sisters, we've got to be more forgiving. We've got to endure in love with each other. We've got to persevere in love. And this is about laying aside weights and sins. And I'll tell you one of the great things that sin does. It robs God of glory. It defiles the testimony of the church, does great damage, as Brother James was talking about earlier, even after you confess and repent. But it also prevents the love of God from being seen. And Jesus said, by this, the world will know who are my disciples, by their love for one another. Brothers and sisters, an athlete learns to keep going. I can't tell you how many times I struck out in baseball, how many times I, I made mistakes in the game, how many times I didn't perform the way I like to, but I still went out to practice, still got up for the next at bat or for the next, you know, whatever it is, and you keep on going. You miss a goal, you shoot the next one. You get it out of your mind quickly, you get back up and you get going, saints. If we're gonna be the church moving forward, we can't dwell on the ground unless you're bowing down and you're in the presence of God and you're in holy ground. And that's where God picks you back up. The Bible says those 
who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint. One more thing on this idea of being an athlete. In Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received in the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God, the very thing we're supposed to be strong in, we testify in, even though we've gone through some hardships in our life. So we gotta be resilient as athletes. We gotta be resolved to keep going toward the prize and we gotta keep pressing on, dear saints. And that brings up our final illustration today. That of the hardworking farmer. That of the, I will say this, the, the man or the woman that's not afraid to get their hands dirty. The saint that's willing to break out of their comfort zones. Brothers and sisters, please listen to me. Please hear the spirit of God speaking right now. The Lord does not expect you to do anything in your own strength. But if you receive power, if you're somebody who knows to be filled with the spirit is to give you the ability to overflow. If you pray for the filling of the spirit each day, if you are full of the word each day, only when you're full of the word and filled with the spirit can you fulfill this great commission of making disciples who make disciples. And to do that, you know what you need to do? You and I need to understand you're gonna have to be okay not seeing results. See, this whole idea of being a hardworking farmer is to be willing to serve underneath the ground, so to speak, sowing that good seed when you don't see anything happening. So many times laboring here in Cambridge, week after week, I didn't see results sometimes. Preaching the gospel, nobody's responding. Discipling brothers and sisters, they're not getting it. They're not catching it yet. They're not multiplying yet. The Bible says, do not grow weary while doing good. In due time, you shall reap if you do not lose heart. Brothers and sisters, sometimes, listen, the most important growth is downward growth, where you're putting deep seed in the ground. And even though you may not see what's gonna come up out of the ground, I think as my sister Margaret said a little bit earlier, isn't it wonderful to see the work and the fruit continue? Many people I was able to see fruit in, many people I saw grow in Jesus. But for the times that I didn't, I had to learn to be a hardworking farmer. And then I had to be this, Joey, will you be the first to partake of the crop? How about, are you growing still? Because am I really going forward as a servant of God if I'm not growing deeper in the God that I serve? The most important calling on my life, and don't forget this, brothers and sisters, is 1 Corinthians 1.9. Jot this down. This is your highest calling. This is the most important calling of your life. It says these words, God is faithful who has called you into the fellowship of his son. My greatest calling is to be a lover of Jesus. My greatest calling is to be a worshiper of God. There's nothing that I wanna do more than to make sure that God is pleased with my worship. I love what David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We all have to sow the good seed, brothers and sisters. James can't do it alone. Chelsea can't do it alone. Andy, Becca, everybody that's in this church. And listen, I know some of you are from other fellowships. You can't do it alone in the church you're a part of. 
Those pastors, those elders, they need your support. They need, as the first message went out, we all have a part to play in this, in this battle. We all are sowers of the seed. We all can speak the things we've learned. Even if you're like the blind man who says, only one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. And brothers and sisters, your greatest fruit is gonna come when you cultivate time in the presence of God. You can pray for the church. You can pray for the people in your life and go to battle for them. And that's such the, the huge warfare. Remember, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, I labored more abundantly than you all, than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. That just brings it full circle, doesn't it? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Before I came to England, I had a short trip with my wife in Romania. I had a chance to meet a pastor who oversees 80 churches in the Moldova area of Sechava in Romania. And he and I were talking, and he wants to see missions come alive in that country. He, he talked about, they did their first missions conference this year, trying to get even some of the Romanians to catch a heart for outside their country. And they've been wonderful in how they've blessed those across the border of Ukraine in helping them as refugees over there. I know James and Sebastian went um, recently or not that long ago to help out over there as well. But I want you to know something. One of the things that will make a difference for mission is if you have a strong sense of the gospel still being good news in your own life. I think some people share the gospel like it's old news. I think some people share the gospel like it's just another news. But I believe this, no one should be believing in the power of the gospel more than the one who's preaching it. And when I'm sowing the good seed, I'm believing this is worth sharing right now. Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He was buried on the third day he rose again. And Jesus Christ loved you so much, he bled for you. And Jesus Christ sweated for you. And Jesus Christ endured hardship and he was sowing the good seed even while he was praying on that cross. Because one of the thieves turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you today, you'll be with me in paradise. The pastor that I was speaking to in Romania sent me this quote. I'm gonna share it with you because I love it. He says, we need a generation of preachers who love the secret place more than the public place and who love the presence more than the platform. And that's what I'm praying for is that you guys will start to love the presence of God. You will love to cultivate time in the intimate place where you meet with Jesus. For he who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And the shadow of the Almighty is seen in the Son of Almighty God, Jesus Christ, today. For I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is my life, appears, then I shall be with him in glory. In closing today, after we saw these beautiful examples we discover that the hardworking farmer must be hardworking, yes, must be the first to partake of the crop. But I want to end with this final section. Consider what I say, dear saints, Paul writes, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffer trouble as the evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure all things for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. 
And then he goes into this beautiful portion where he says, this is a faithful saying. He says, look, guys, if we die, if we die with the Lord, we're gonna live with the Lord. If any of us suffer, we're gonna be glorified with him. So don't look at your sufferings as something that is, that is, the, is, the, is the all, all, all in all of your life. Really, the sufferings produce something greater. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We, we are called to live for God, even if it means we die for God like Stephen. But what is death to a Christian? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And to be present with the Lord is to be absent from the world. And to be absent from the world is to be present with the church. And to be present with the church is to live the life that James said earlier, are you living a life that's worth Christ dying for? Well, here's what I know. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Brothers and sisters, in the end, if we endure, we're gonna reign with Jesus. And I'm telling you, the reign with Jesus is gonna be worth it. Every knee is gonna bow one day and every tongue is gonna confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You take any celebrity on TV right now and the next time you see him on a stage, you say, I can't wait till they bow down to the spotlight going on Jesus. I can't wait till the athletes on the field throw down their, their balls, their, their, their playing equipment and they bow down to King Jesus. There's coming a day where there's only gonna be one sport and that's gonna be King Jesus on the throne. And the sport is, which song are we gonna sing next? Let's go to bat. We're gonna worship the Lord for all eternity. We're gonna praise him forever. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he ends with this beautiful saying, if we are faithless, for any given length of time, God still remains faithful. Now, now before we are faithless, it's possible to get to the point where you don't confess Jesus as Lord and then there's a problem. It's one thing to be struggling, dear saints. It's one thing to be having a hard time, but the verse right before it says, if we deny him, he will deny us. Don't miss that. You must give acknowledgement to Jesus in these days. Guys, you cannot keep your faith to yourself. You cannot keep it in anymore. The time is calling us to be bold. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And in scripture, there's another lion out there and his name is Satan and he roams this earth like a lion seeking whom he may devour. But now is the hour for the saints to say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's time for the saints to rise up and have a bit of a roar themselves. I think the church needs an uproar, an upward roar that we sing to God. We proclaim the praises of God. We declare the goodness of God. And we remember that it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Don't hesitate when you say it and meditate and pray it every day so you can say it in every way. And brothers and sisters, I leave you with this. Because Jesus cannot deny himself, in the end, you're entrusting your life to the one who actually is faithful to the end. As Revelation 1.5 says, and from Jesus Christ, who's the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. As Revelation 3.14 says, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. As it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful.
who also will do it. I look forward to seeing what God's gonna continue to do in this country because the time for the remnant to rise up is now. We need to awake, dear church. It's time to move forward. It means don't look back. Forget the things that are behind and press forward to what lies ahead. Let's press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. May the love of Jesus compel you to do this. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much, God, for the grace that's here today to help us be soldiers who can endure hardship. That helps us, Lord, to be athletes who run this race to the finish line, no matter the cost, remembering a crown that's at the end, and to be the hardworking sowers, those who cultivate spiritual life in the hard places that we're in. I know the ground is hard, Lord. How many times did I say, God, the ground in England is hard ground, and you turned it around and said, no, it's not. It's holy ground. If you meet with me, I'll take the places you go and I'll make it holy. Lord Jesus, lead me and lead my brothers and sisters on the paths of righteousness for your namesake. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh God, we ask you right now for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. And if what you've heard today, dear saints, if you have heard from the Lord today something out of any of these three messages that you've heard today from two James and a Joey who are all just three instruments of clay where the power of God was speaking today into our hearts. If you heard from the Lord Jesus Christ today, I'm gonna ask you to stand and just right now in this song as we worship, say, Lord, I have heard from you today. Now take what you've sown in my heart and help me to sow it in others. And just right now, as we begin to worship, just start to stand it once you realize that God has spoken to your heart today. And we're gonna respond, we're gonna respond to the Lord right now in worship. We're gonna respond because Jesus went to the cross on our behalf. He died in our place and he rose again. And he's coming back to take his saints with him in glory. But until that day comes, we need obedience, we need endurance if we're gonna be the faithful men and women God has called us to be to the very end. So let's stand together, shall we? And just begin to worship our Lord, to praise his holy name, to lift up our voices. And with a great uproar as the lions of the tribe of Judah who serve the lion of the tribe of Judah, let's worship him and give him the praise that's due his name.